The theme of our readings today is the voice of God. Interesting enough, we're speaking about voices and tones, but hearing the voice of God. The voice of God through the prophet, in the first reading, Moses, the prophet. Maybe you could say the prophet of the Old Testament, but then also the prophet, the prophet of prophets, the king of Canaan, lord of lords, Jesus. We have Moses in this first reading, the prophet, the mouthpiece of God to his people. What is the context of this reading? Real quick, Moses addresses the Israelites as they are about to enter the promised land. Moses recalls what happened when God was about to give them the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. God announced his presence with thunder and lightning, a deafening voice, even deeper and more deafening than David, our, lect, our first lector. Great voice, by the way, David. A deafening voice and clouds of smoke. Mrs. Lucas, you do a great job, too. So props to you. Actually, right before Mrs. Lucas came up for her second reading, I didn't hear one car go by on Ritchie Highway. The HVAC's not cranking. Or the heat, I was like, it's peace and quiet in here. This is beautiful. Almost have it right now. Anyway, terrified, the people backed away from the, hearing the voice of God in, in Moses in Exodus and saying, let us not hear the voice of the Lord. They begged Moses to go and bring God's word back to them. Moses, knowing that he was not going to be with, with them much longer, promises that God will send them someone to take his place. A prophet like me to whom you shall listen. You know, he's 1,500 years before Jesus comes. He's referencing Jesus, the prophet of prophets, who is to come. This was a relief. God promises they will never have to endure the trauma of hearing him directly. And that's how it was in every generation. Throughout the Old Testament, God raised up prophets for the people. Samuel, Jonah, Elijah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and so forth. These and others heard God directly and then proclaimed what they heard. Remember, a prophet is not always about prophesying about future events. Their primary uh, purpose and call, vocation, is to be the spokesman for God or, or the mouthpiece of God. And then comes Jesus on the scene. We have Jesus, the Word of God, the mind of God, the voice of God in person, the voice of God in the flesh. And his voice was what? Absolute power, even power over evil, evil spirits, the demons. And we hear that in our gospel. We have this demon-possessed man, and Jesus commands the demons, the unclean spirits, to leave the man in the synagogue, to leave the man, the young man in the synagogue. You may remember a, the scene uh, depicting this, in Jesus of Nazareth, 1977, 1977 movie, the Jesus of Nazareth film. I encourage any, everyone to watch it again. Uh, if your kids are old enough to watch The Passion, obviously parental discretion on that one. For Lent, watch it every Lent to remember the Mel Gibson movie, Jim Caviezel playing Jesus, the brutal, the brutality of the torture that he underwent for all of us. But this, the 1977 version is is uh, a little cleaner, we could say. So I remember when I was watching it when I was a little kid's age. It's a beautiful rendition of the Gospels. I forget how many hours it is. It, 
might be three, it might be six, I'm drawing a blank. It's a long movie, but you can watch it in parts. It's fascinating. So in this one scene, you have this early on in the film, in Jesus' public ministry. It's quite dramatic. The young man is screaming, yelling, flailing, even foaming at the mouth. But, that's, but what's noticeable is that Jesus has all the power. He has all authority. Just like he calms, we had the other day at Daily Mass, he calms the storms on the sea. He speaks, be still. The wind stops. The waves stop. There's quiet on the sea. He has all power and authority, and he commands, and the demons obey. The man laid there quietly, young man, still on the floor in the synagogue, and he was at peace. And the movie depicts it greatly. The father comes over and embraces him. He looks toward, towards Jesus, Jesus, who's played by a blonde, um, not blonde, blue-eyed English actor. He does a great part. Um, and he says, Blessed be the Lord. So he's thanking Jesus. Blessed be the Lord. It's a wonderful scene. Today, um, a little bit on exorcisms today in this day and age. Today, every diocese in, in the church has an exorcist. Technically, it's the bishop of each diocese. But he appoints, in most cases, a priest exorcist to perform the ministry of exorcism. It is a real thing. The devil is for real. Jesus in the Gospels explicitly said that one of the things his church would do in continuing his work in this world in every age until the end of time would be this, to exercise demons. It's in Mark chapter 16. This is where Jesus commissions the disciples. And we hear Jesus say this, and the, verse 17 in Mark chapter 16. Jesus says this, And these signs will accompany those who believe by using my name, they will cast out demons. Again, Jesus has all authority and power over the enemy, over evil spirits, over demons. And he gives that authority to his ministers of the church. Those who saw Jesus' exorcisms were astounded because they knew that no merely human being has power to control demons any more than our pets have the power to control us. It's a good analogy. Dr. Peter Kraft, I use him all the time. No, they don't have power to control any more than the pets have power over us. The only way the demons, I had a class on demonic afflictions at Mount St. Mary Seminary taught by an exorcist who teaches exorcists in Chicago. The only way that they get the power is consent of our will. The, the person lets, gives them the power, lets them in, in other words. Today, as in Christ's day, only Christ can exorcise demons. Christ's exorcisms are evidence of what? His divinity. The same Christ who worked through his biological human body in first century Israel continues to work through his mystical body, the church, and her exorcists today. Although we cannot by our own power conquer demonic possession, we can always conquer the demon's temptations. That's the power that we have. The Bible says that no trial has come to you but what is human. God is faithful and will not let you be tried beyond your strength. But with the trial, he will also provide a way out so that you may be able to bear it. It's St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Notice, it does not say God will make it easy to resist temptation, only possible. If it was impossible to resist temptation, we would not be responsible for yielding to it. Temptation always appeals to some degree of free choice, never sheer force. 
Temptations are common and do not remove free will. Demonic possession, although very rare, very rare, and does remove free will for a while. Demon possession is clearly darkness, and Jesus is clearly light. And when the two meet, darkness has absolutely no chance. Jesus can easily defeat the demons. He can certainly defeat all of our lesser pieces of darkness and temptations and sins. His power, his love, and his wisdom are infinite. We can't give him 99% of our trust. We need to give him 100%. That's the practical bottom line takeaway from today's gospel for all of us. May Almighty God bless you and keep you always in his love. Protect you and your families from all evil. And the Blessed Mother and her mantle protect you today and always. Amen.